to episode 190 of Late Night Linux, recorded mostly on the 5th of August 2022. I'm Joe, and it's just me this time for the intro, but don't worry, there'll be other people soon. This isn't a normal episode, this is a live recording from the meetup that we did with Alex from Self-Hosted on the South Bank of London just over a week ago as you listen to this. Before we actually get into that, just wanted to say thank you to everyone who came and had a chat and put up with my drunkenness. It was a great night and I think we all had a good time and hopefully we can do one again at some point soon, but we'll have to see about that. You may hear an opera singer in the background. The South Bank of London, if you don't know, is where there's a lot of buskers and the park we were in was right near a lady doing some opera singing and so you will be able to hear a bit of that, but hopefully it's not too distracting. Also, just a quick thank you to everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. If you want to join those people, you can go to latenightlinux.com slash support for more details. And remember, for $10 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at latenightlinux.com. So let's get straight on with the recording then. Hello and welcome everyone to Late Night Self-Hosted After Dark in the Park. So I'm Joe and with me are... Well, I suppose let's, uh, Alex organized this. Let's give him the, the first. You say Alex organized it. He just put a bunch of stuff on Meetup and a bunch of people showed up. Hello. Yeah. So you may know Alex from such podcasts as uh, the self-hosted podcast. And also with us here is Gary from Linux After Dark. Hi, everyone. Hey, Dim. Hello. Yeah, which you should definitely all listen to. Anyway, right. So what we're going to talk about tonight is something that's been bugging me for a while. And I was thinking... What the hell are we going to talk about with these two who barely use Linux, to be honest, on the desktop? Since Alex bought his, uh, what is it, an M1 Pro Ultra or something? I'm an Apple wanker, it must be said. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. Since he bought that, he's not touched the Linux desktop. And Gary, you're actually traveling with a Linux machine today. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a MacBook, which is my work machine I use at home. It's the 16-inch Pro. Uh, but I do travel with a Linux machine because... I don't want to carry around a 16-inch laptop, frankly. Yeah, but uh, anyway, you're both basically full-time Mac users, but you're also proper Linux users. Now, I don't want to get into the debate of what is a Linux user and what isn't a Linux user. We could be here all fucking night if we did that. But as far as I'm concerned, if you connect to Linux machines, control Linux machines, then you're a Linux user. That's the, the baseline level that we're talking about. Now... Of the people here, let's have a quick show of hands. How many of you daily drive your main machine is a Linux desktop machine? Okay, I'd say probably 80 something percent, maybe more than that of people. Uh-oh, I am in trouble. <laughs> you and me both. Now, so here, here's what I want to try and get to the bottom of. How do we explain to the kind of people who listen to podcasts, come to events like this, go on Reddit, go on YouTube and you know, are really enthusiastic about Linux. How do we explain to them that we, and I mean me and you lot, not these two sitting next to me who don't do it, but we are the minority of Linux users. The majority, the vast majority of Linux users don't use it on the desktop. And how do we explain that to people? And how do we get people to accept that? And should we accept it? Or should we, I don't know, try and convince them i don't know i mean so so first of all let's sh have a show of hands like is this a dawning realization to you or did you know it already so uh did you know this already hands up about half 
and then yeah so the other 30% must still be in denial then. well uh, <laughs> yeah 30 or 40% and you know they are the kind of hardcore Linux users who I mean look I was talking to my friend Jim from two and a half admins about this topic and he said oh don't say Linux users because Linux users is people who use it on the desktop and we got into like a five minute argument about that and he's one of the people who haven't accepted this I don't think so I think for me five uh, maybe ten years ago the Linux desktop was still extremely relevant and it's because of what was happening in the marketplace at the time I think Windows Vista was the main release or seven was just coming out and they were doing all this start tile nonsense and then Apple weren't investing in their laptops and there was that whole butterfly keyboard nonsense for a while with, with Apple. And so for me as a technical guy that wanted to write some code and SSH to different servers and stuff, the Linux desktop was the obvious choice. Was that Arch by any chance? It was, yes. Arch was the, uh, the first Linux that I properly actually understood, by the way. And... Uh, the reason being was because I came in around the time that System D transition happened. So for me, uh, Linux and System D are kind of synonymous. There was none of this upstart stuff. I mean, I'd, I'd used Ubuntu a bit before that and, and done a little bit here and a little bit there. And uh, someone in the crowd, by the way, is pointing at his arch sticker. It, well, well done, sir. Well done. And so if you look back at 10 years ago, the Linux desktop was very much needed. But I would argue that now, with the investment that Apple in particular have done to their desktop platform with the M1 chip and the performance that's there and the kind of appliance-like nature of these M1 laptops, you just open it and, and sleep is never an issue. Battery drain is never an issue. Wi-Fi is never an Like, everything just works. And I know that that is not the case with Linux because I've... I've fought for many years WPA supplicant issues on Arch, trying to get that to connect to Wi-Fi. I've screwed up my KDE settings more times than I care to remember. And I think for me, personally, the reality is that when I just want to get stuff done, I need something that gets out of the way. And I know you'll say XFCE does that, but... For me? Yeah, for you personally. But for me, I'm on video calls all day, and my AirPods, for example, just connect to my MacBook perfectly, first time every time, you know, 95% of the time. Um, and so I would argue that desktop Linux itself is kind of irrelevant these days for most people most of the time. What I would say, though, is people like developers who are in development shops that want to have a standardized way of being on the same machine with the same code, then it's kind of useful. But what's also come along in the last five to 10 years is the cloud and containers. And those two things, you can now run on Macs and you can run on Windows if, you, if you're crazy. And for me, those two things, coupled with the cloud, make desktop Linux even less relevant than, than before. Yeah, and I think it's, it's similar for me. Like I was a desktop Linux user for uh, 10 years or so. And then the more and more I worked with cloud and the more and more I started working with customers and stopped being just an infrastructure DevOps guy, the more I wanted a machine that just worked. And like you said, you know, I spend a good amount of my day on video calls and stuff with customers. When I am actually doing technical stuff, I'm either you know, using VS Code or Terraform or CloudFormation, all this kind of stuff that works perfectly fine on the Mac. I don't need a lot of the stuff that comes with Linux. And the advantages of, like you say, having instant wake and sleep and a 20-hour battery life on my work machine and 
everything else just far outweigh my my want to use the Linux desktop at this point. All right, so you two have justified why you don't use the Linux desktop, but what about my original question? How do we explain to people who care so much about it that they are a minority? Do we need to? I feel like I do, because every time I talk about it on air, uh, you know, other stuff that isn't the desktop, WSL, for example, that we had uh, an episode of Linux Downtime about recently, and we just got like so much shit for WSL shilling and, and Microsoft shilling and, oh, you didn't pronounce the, the S in Microsoft with a dollar sign type feedback. And so I feel like people need to understand that like there's more to Linux than the desktop. And I love the desktop. I use it every day. Any machine of mine, apart from the M1 Mac that I use occasionally, but any machine that's connected to the network is Linux, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, I, I don't really feel that comfortable doing banking or anything else on a, on a machine that isn't Linux, because that's just where I feel comfortable. So I think it was Steve Jobs that said, we need to escape this idea that for Apple to win, Microsoft has to lose. And I feel like the same is true of the Linux desktop. You know, Mac and Windows and what have you don't have to lose in order for the Linux desktop to still be useful to some people some of the time. There's plenty of space for these things to coexist, I think. Well, yeah, and there's no win or lose because Linux has already won on the desktop as far as I'm concerned, not even counting Chrome OS. Just look at the... There's probably millions of Ubuntu users and, you know, combine all the distros together. There's probably millions of us. There's like a billion Windows users or more, but it, it doesn't matter. We're all happily using it and all the people who put their hand up here I'd, I'd all happily, let's let's have a cheer for Linux on the desktop. Come on! <laughs> exactly. So we've already won. So it, it doesn't matter. But I just feel like people don't quite get that it's okay to win in your own little silo. I'm just watching a man polishing his Steam Deck right now. <laughs> <laughs> and without desktop Linux, that device wouldn't exist. Well, it would exist, but it'd probably be running Windows, and it'd probably be more expensive. But it wouldn't exist as it does now without desktop Linux. You're right, without the KDE stuff, th there wouldn't be a Steam Deck, yeah. I just use the platform which works best for me. And for certain applications, that's Linux. And for certain applications, it happens to be Mac OS. So people just need to accept that not everyone is going to think the same way that they are. Not everyone is comfortable using desktop Linux. Some people won't make the compromises that sometimes sleep-wake doesn't work and... Bluetooth audio is a nightmare and, and all that kind of stuff. I think it's just you start realizing when you step outside of our, our little bubble, which broadly when I started working for the cloud company, it made me realize that actually people are just going to use the platform that works for them. And that's fine. I think as well, another effect that you end up with is a lot of developers in the DevOps space, which I know a lot of the people here are in that DevOpsy type space. <clears throat> is by standardizing on the Mac, for example, as the, the DevOps you know, developer workstation, Brew and all these other tools have come up to feed that demand. And I know that almost anything I could possibly need on a Mac is there. You know, I've got Adobe, I've got Logic, I've got Final Cut. You know, it might be very rare that I use these, these tools. And now to boot, I've got, you know, 12, 14 hours of battery life. I've got all these other things. All right, Max Schill, you don't have to keep going on about it. Uh, I do not own Apple stock. I will just say that. No Apple stock. 
I know, but it's it, again, we on Linux After Dark talked about how what Apple is doing hardware-wise is it just pulling away from almost everyone else and the shit that we got for it. On the desktop, you are, you're right, I think they are, but on the server, Linux is the only game in town. Yeah. You look at SQL Server, Microsoft have made a Linux version of that available, all the containerized software, like there, there are so many standardized units of deployment and they're all aimed at Linux. All the cloud providers all run Linux. Microsoft's Azure, is like 80% Linux. I mean, that says it all, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked on you know, a recent episode of Linux After Dark about how you know, people don't need to necessarily learn Linux anymore because they're just targeting you know, serverless deployments and they're writing their code and the cloud provider gives them somewhere to run it. But I think the reality that we need to accept as a Linux desktop community is that actually all of that stuff is Linux, right? Like... I'm writing my Python, I'm deploying it on insert serverless thing here, and in the back end, that's still Linux. So it's almost irrelevant to me whether Linux on the desktop has more users, less users, whatever, because it's still the computing platform that is running the world, basically, at this point. And the helicopter on Mars. Yeah, it's running the world, it'll run Mars. Yeah, it's running the solar system. Yeah. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash late night Linux, support the show, and get $100 free credit. From their award-winning support, offered 24-7, 365 to every level of user, to ease of use and setup, it's clear why developers have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Deploy your entire application stack with Linode's one-click app marketplace, or build it all from scratch and manage everything yourself with supported centralized tools like Terraform. And check out their managed MySQL, Postgres, and MongoDB databases that allow you to quickly deploy a new database and defer management tasks like configuration, managing high availability, disaster recovery, backups, and data replication. Simple and fast to deploy with secure access, their flexible plans include daily backups. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, create a free account, and you'll get $100 in credit and support the show. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. First of all, have you been able to hear what I've been saying over that bloody opera singer over there? <laughs> Good. Thumbs up. Uh, have we uh, triggered anyone enough to uh, have a comment on what we've been saying? So, I'm a Windows guy. Like Alex said, like, he has a Mac because he uses AirPods and they connect, and that technology just, in, you know, you've got an iPhone, it all integrates well, and he can use the CLI to do Linux things and homebrew and that, same as I can use Windows and I can use WSL to run Ansible and to run Terraform and all of the things I need to do that cross over into the Linux world without actually having a full Linux separate desktop or a VM I have to spin up. But I think you are you are in by far the majority of Linux users by doing that. Yeah, and that's yeah. the point that I've been trying to make with this whole discussion, that you are the normal Linux user, and <laughs> I am not because I'm a desktop Linux user. You're a power user. <laughs> well, I, well, I don't like that term. You know, I'm an enthusiast, let's say. I think I would class you as a power user. If you're using Ansible and Terraform and all of those things to orchestrate Linux at scale, you're probably more of a power user than Joe is, who's just using Zubuntu to record some podcasts. Half exactly. an admin, remember? Half yeah. an admin. <laughs> I think even as a Windows person, it's a desktop, and you're connecting to all of your back-end servers which are running Linux, so it's a portal to 
get to the back end. Exactly. And if that's Windows with WSL or even Putty or a VM or whatever it is that you're using, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like you are in the majority of people. And that's what, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, Phelan perhaps, who I, I do a show with, uh, who like, you know, for him, it's, you know, he looks down on, on people who use Windows or Mac. And, you know, it's that snobbishness. It really doesn't help, does it? That, like, if you try and come to this community and you are a WSL user or, you know, you're just trying it out in a VM and people just give you shit for, well, why aren't you running it properly on bare metal? It's gatekeeping. And I think, uh, you know, it goes back to the my, my point that five, ten years ago that we're in a very different place. A, a lot of people in that five or ten years have fought pretty hard to get Arch installed and now you can just type Arch install, right? And they want other people to have to go through that pain too because, oh, well, I went through it. So you, if, if you didn't go through the same amount of pain that I did, then you're not worthy. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, I can't stand that. I can't stand that people say like, oh, well, back in my day, uh, you had to configure like xorg.conf and, and if you did it wrong, then you could literally blow up your CRT monitor. I'm like, well, cool. Like, I've never had that and I'm glad and that's good. And, you know, that's not really anything to be proud of. I suppose it is, in a sense, something to be proud of that you managed to not fuck your monitor. But I don't think that we should look back on those days with anything other than a sense of we have progressed. And, I mean, I'm glad that we're not in that situation anymore because when I first started using Linux, I was having to wrap my Windows Wi-Fi driver in NDIS wrapper and all sorts of stuff just to get online. And... I'm glad that we don't have to do that anymore. And I wouldn't wish that upon anyone moving to Linux these days because it meant that you know, for the first couple of years of using Linux, I was really, really hamstrung because I effectively had to find somewhere where I had an Ethernet connection just to, just to get online and actually use my machine. That's what it's like using BST in my experience. <laughs> I also wonder, like, is it just the whole moving from one platform to another that's kind of hard? Like, if you've been on Windows for years and years and years, it's just kind of different to move over to the Linux desktop. I've just found it fun to screw around on the Linux desktop and haven't had a Windows install for quite a while and, and trying to go back to that, especially since I think the last one I was using was Windows 7. So there's been a few iterations since the last time I was on Windows. Now I just can't, like, don't feel at home, sort of. Well, yeah, I think that's ultimately what it boils down to with whatever platform you're using. It's what do you feel at home with? And I feel at home with XFCE, for example, and I feel really not at home with uh, my M1 MacBook Air. I just, I just don't get on with it. I feel like I'm fighting it all the time. But ultimately, when I want to get something done with it, most of the time, most of what I need to do happens in a web browser. And so it, it doesn't really matter what the platform is because it's the applications that you have to run on that, that that really matter. And the rest is window dressing and paper cuts. You know, like the fact that the Finder file application on Mac is just terrible. It's just, it's just the worst thing I've ever <laughs> used. But I can get around that. And as long as I can run Firefox and Audacity and whatever else I need, it is that I need, that's all that matters. I switched over to the iPhone a while ago from Android, mainly because uh, I kept rooting my phone because <laughs> it's just fun to play with the technology. And I needed to to get to a phone that just worked and that wasn't as easy to, to hack around with because mainly um, there's this uh, application in Norway that everyone uses to transfer money back and forth. It's called Vips. 
right. sort of like PayPal or whatever. Uh, and I could not get that thing to hide uh, the root. And whenever you had root access or... or you yeah, know, you tried phone, magic modules. Magic and modules, and it was just not like a cat and uh, mouse race. You know, the magic module will work, and then the next week it wouldn't, and yeah. then you'd need an update. And it was just back and forth and back and forth. And then, you know, I'd be out with having beers with friends, and they're like, hey, yeah, uh, we take one round, you take one round, you know, we just vips the difference or whatever. And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure, um, uh, I'll, I'll do it to you later. I have to do a bank transfer because the vips doesn't work. And I'm like, this is this is just getting stupid. Yeah, well, <laughs> let, let me introduce you to Gary, my friend here, who uh, also uses an iPhone. I think both Alex and I do. And my reason for using an iPhone was because all of my family have iPhones. And when I'm suddenly sitting in a room with my wife and she's like, oh, I've taken these photos of the dog. I want to airdrop them to you. <laughs> and suddenly I don't have an iPhone. Or my dad, who doesn't understand when his phone is sending an MMS versus an iMessage. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I sent these photos to you and it's cost me like three quid. What's happened? It's just so much easier for me to be on the platform where my family are, where my non-Linux friends are. That's why I keep those devices around. I have Windows partitions around. I, I used to have macOS VMs around just to play with and then eventually buckled and bought the M1 Air ostensibly to run Asahi, which uh, actually now Bluetooth works properly on. I talked about on a show recently that it was uh, only the low quality mode, but now they fixed it. But really, it was just to, to try it out and it's, it's just nice to have all the options as someone who's enthusiastic about technology. Yeah, and I'm still enthusiastic about Linux, and that's why I keep a Linux machine around to travel with, because I cannot get the form factor of machine that I want to travel with on the Mac. And like you said, Joe, most of the applications I use are available across all platforms now. Broadly, you know, I use a few CLI apps, I use VS Code, and I use a browser, and I can do that regardless of what platform I'm on, I've got a VDI at work that I can get into for the stuff that I can't run on Linux. Uh, so you know, it gives me that flexibility to travel around with a 10-inch tablet when I'm going to see customers or whatever else. Uh, and for everything else, there's the nice machine at home. Yeah, sit in a park drinking with Linux nerds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't bring my 16-inch MacBook here. <laughs> no, someone might nick it. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Entroware. Go to entroware.com. Entroware sells computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate pre-installed. They've got a range of desktops, laptops, and servers, and most parts are configurable, so you can pick the CPU, RAM, and storage that's right for you. If you can't find exactly what you want, then do contact them, and they'll work with you on a bespoke solution that's perfect for your needs. They ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain, and if you do buy one of their machines, there's a little drop down at checkout and you can select late night Linux so they'll know that we sent you. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. This whole discussion reminds me of one we had on Self-Hosted recently about Discord versus Matrix. And by using Discord to host the self-hosted uh, chat solution, are we being somewhat antithetical to the point of the show. Yeah, or hosting your uh, the RSS feed on Fireside, for example. And I, I totally subscribe to the theory that no, we're not being antithetical. We are furthering the mission of open source and free and open source software by allowing all these lovely people who have gathered here tonight to connect with one another and talk to each other. And you know, you've got to remember that Matrix now is kind of just about usable, but three or four years ago when we launched that Discord server, it was nowhere. 
and and that's the thing about technology is it's always changing and the, the discussion and the answers and the opinions that we've given tonight ask me again in five years I, I'm sure I'll say something completely different it's it's not an absolute decision and it's it's just based on the facts and and how the things are we see them now and there's a podcast called uh, or by a guy named Nightwise. I don't know if you've heard of him. And one of his uh, slogans for the show is like it's it's a show for cross-platform geeks because uh, the thing that he focuses on is that he wants the computer to work for you and not the other way around. Uh, and I've caught myself in that a few times where it's like I'm just trying really hard to make this one tool do the thing that another tool, you know, Windows-based or whatever, can do. Anybody use KDN Live, for example? <laughs> like, that's a great example. Mm. It just about works well enough, but sometimes Final Cut would be a lot easier, yep. you know? Well, this sort of reminds me of something that I've heard WinPress say a few times, which is if we're going to attract the next generation of users, we need to meet them where they are. And the next generation of users ostensibly aren't going to be using the Linux desktop. They're going to be DevOps people or cloud people using a Mac or WSL or whatever. So if we're going to attract those people, then we need to accept that where they are is not the Linux desktop. Well, yeah, and we need to hopefully instill in them some sense of the importance of software freedom. You know, not going full FSF and Stallman, but like, you know, explaining that at least open source is important for like pragmatic reasons. And, you know, if, if you just say, right, that's it, we're only going to use free software tools, then you just siloing yourself off and people are never going to connect with you and look discord is something that i i mean I've, I've always joked that it's basically slack for unemployed people i don't know some of the folks here are employed and use it a lot too well yeah, i know so that's why it's only a joke but i've just never got on with discord but but you're right like really as uh, someone who is you know making shows about linux i should probably have more than a telegram group i mean even a telegram group well that's not proper free software is proprietary it proprietary garbage exactly we should be using Matrix and IRC and a mailing list of a server that we're running ourselves. Right, know. where does it end? Yeah, exactly. The website you connect to might not be running a perfectly open yeah. thing, right? It's just how deep does that rabbit hole go? How, how far are you willing to go for your principles, I guess? Yeah. I wanted to echo Alex and Steve Jobs back to you there. It's like, why does Discord have to fail for Matrix to succeed? Why, why not both? I coming here, I thought, oh, Matrix was going to be really difficult. Uh, I'm not going to set up an account. Can't be bothered. I'll just go on Discord. I went on Discord. There was no group for, for this event to talk to people on Discord. So I signed up with Matrix. Super easy. Joined on there. Managed to meet with people two hours before the event. Had a great time with them. Grabbed a beer. So it doesn't have to be one or the other. It could be both. I completely agree. We definitely need to be the places where the average users are to show them what it is. You know, there, there are doctors out here that are finding Linux because it's the right solution for the problem they're looking for. So we need to be there, but we don't have to just be there. It could be other places the as well. The only difference, I would say, between, you know, Mac versus Windows versus Linux, which are the main three, really. Uh, I know BSD exists. GhostBSD is actually quite good. But is... On my laptop, I have uh, Discord, Slack, Telegram, WhatsApp, Teams, Google Meet, yada, 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 right? It, it gets a bit ridiculous. That's I feel the, you. It's the only thing I would say in reply to that, but otherwise, I agree with you. It's like a different Telegram. It's, it's WhatsApp. It's, you know, another channel. Does Matrix not help this, you know, with, with its bridging and stuff? And yeah, maybe it's not perfect right now, but like, but the, the whole idea is that now we don't have to have 
you know, five different chat apps. We can have one chat app and we can still talk to all our family and our friends and everyone else who's on all these different So platforms. you're telling me with a straight face you get your mum to install Matrix? No, no, no. no this, is my, this is my point, is that we don't. She can use whatever she wants to use. Oh, okay. But I can use Matrix and I can still interface with that. I don't, I don't stop talking to my mum, you know, and tell her I don't love her because I use Matrix instead of WhatsApp or iMessage that she uses. But that's all well and good until some API changes and the bridge breaks. And that's not on the developers of the bridge or on the Matrix developers. That is on the, the you know, Meta or whoever's making WhatsApp. And, you know, it, it, you, you can't rely on that. And so you sort of have to have the other app installed anyway for the times that it breaks, and then what's the point? Yeah, I feel you. I mean, maybe I'm naive, but I kind of hope that slowly we're getting better and we're convincing other big companies that interoperability, sorry, hard word, is, is a good thing and you should help support this. And maybe some regulation will come in and help that as well, I don't know. I think we need regulation to make that happen, otherwise you're just dreaming. Two words for you on fragmentation, streaming services. <laughs> Well, before we get thrown out of this park for drinking and recording a podcast, uh, we'd probably wrap this up. So thank you, everyone, for uh, listening to us rambling on, and thank you, everyone, who's contributed. Uh, but I suppose that's it then. Uh, until who knows when we might get together in a park and drink, or not drink, and talk about Linux again. Uh, I've been Joe. I've been Gary. And I've been Alex. And just a big thank you to everybody for coming out tonight. It's been wonderful to see you. And we've been the park nerds.